The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org.
Good morning, everybody. I was amazed this morning seeing people that I haven't seen for the longest time. Maybe it's like life after the flood in biblical proportions that everything comes back to life. It's just so great. And people that we haven't seen for a very long time and some new faces that I haven't ever seen in three dimensions. I'm Vanessa Southern. I'm the senior minister of this congregation. I'm really grateful to be here this morning leading worship with so many fantastic human beings. Mari Magaloni Ramos is our worship associate. And we've got our incredible tech team of Eric Shackelford and Shuliang and Jonathan Silk. And Joe Chapeau is there on chat. And welcome to folks on live stream and welcome to everybody here in person. We are missing Laura Shenham, our Minister of Congregational Life. Her mom was taken to the hospital last night, and so she's with her mom. So keep her mom and um, Laura, too, in your prayers as they navigate figuring out what happened and how to, how to heal. And I want to acknowledge that we found out that in November, a member of this congregation passed away someone I always looked forward to seeing among other days on Christmas Eve. And so we're going to extinguish a candle in honor of Raj Desai. And keep his wife Helen and their children and grandchildren in our thoughts and in our prayers. There will be a service in honor of his life in February. Just a reminder that those of us who will have our masks off during worship today have taken a COVID test and tested negative this morning, and we thank the rest of you for wearing your masks over your nose to keep one another safe. If you are joining for the first time this morning, welcome to our service on family, which I realized from the title leaves it open to being pronounced a hundred ways, which is perfect for the service. Oh, family. Oh, family. <laughs> Welcome as we reflect on family. I invite you, too, to look at other things going on in the life of this congregation. Feel free to join in on any and all of them, but I want to draw a couple to your attention. Um, one is that the newcomer class, which normally kind of an intro to very quick overview for those who are brand new to this space, to this community, um, will be held next Sunday after service. And is John Burens here? No. All right. All right. Okay. Hi, John. Wherever you are, we send our best. Um, the second thing is that after service day, the reason we don't have the newcomer class is we have our holiday fair. So those of you who can stay, you can go buy cookies to support up on top. You can buy baskets of fair trade goodies to support our International Human Rights Service Organization, the UUSC. You can support any one of the vendors and do your Christmas or holiday or Kwanzaa or Hanukkah, solstice shopping here. And there's lunch. Quick note about lunch. Um, we have catered the lunch from La Cocina, which is an organization in the Tenderloin that supports women-owned and minority-owned sort of incubator for those restaurants. A lot of incredible restaurants have come up in in the Bay Area out of that incubator. And so we're gonna have tamales and other delicious food and, and 
The price point is $20 for adults, half price for children, but with the understanding that it's a bit like if you've ever heard of Karma Kitchen, this sort of idea that we're gonna probably just break even on this dinner, uh, this luncheon. And so if you need a break in price in order to be able to attend, please just tell people what you're willing to donate toward lunch. And if you are someone who has a little more, please offer to pay a little more for lunch. And we think between the kind of interplay of those, we will break even and have supported this incubator for um, women and women of color and, and all the vibrancy it brings to our lives in the Bay Area. So, welcome. That, I believe, dun, 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 concludes the announcements for this morning. Welcome to worship. Please join me in lighting our chalice. The words are in your order of service. We light this chalice for the light of truth, the warmth of love, and the fire of commitment. We light this symbol of faith as we gather together. Please stand as you are willing or able for our first hymn of the morning. Hymn number 21, For the Beauty of the Earth.
I also want to thank all of our incredible musicians who you all can't see down here because they're behind you, but if you turn around and look, you'll see Reiko Odalane on the organ, our choir, Bill Gans at piano, and Mark Sumner standing doing his famous dance, which you might have seen years ago in a Super Bowl video, I think it was. Yeah, if not, we can hook you up with that moment. It's lovely. Thank you all for blessing us with your gifts of music this morning. In the life of the community, welcoming new life is a huge moment of joy. And we are in that moment for this fall. So I want to invite forward those who are going to be joining this community, some of whom are out sick, some of whom you'll get to see are joining us from other places. And I'm going to invite them forward by name. Hillary Clark. Santana Gonzalez Gomez. Wayne Shun. Nancy Munn, who's sick. Jordan Ong. Bick Simpson, who is sitting here. You can wave, Bick. <laughs> Gregory Stevens. Tyon Cho. And joining us remotely from Portland, Sonny Sewell. And zooming in from their apartment in Mission Bay, Deborah Romer and Bill Tucker. Francisca Gilmore. Look, I knew your name. I didn't even have to see it, but how did I skip it? Yay. <laughs> Sorry about that. The steps to membership are simple. Meet with a minister, make a financial pledge of record, and sign our membership book. But becoming a member asks much more. It asks for a commitment a commitment to be part of the rituals and rites of passage of this community, a commitment to learning and growing, an ongoing exploration of one's faith and what it means, making time for fun, community building, and making connections with one another. <laughs> a commitment to be of service and deepening the call to love one another to work for justice and peace, and to help bring healing to the world. The steps to membership are simple, but the act of membership, well, that's sacred. We are delighted that you have made the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco your spiritual home. Welcome, bienvenidos. In some ways, the spirit of this hour is reflected beautifully in this reading by Starhawk. She writes, 
We are all longing to go home, to some place we have never been, a place half remembered and half envisioned we can only catch glimpses of from time to time. Community. Somewhere, there are people to whom we can speak with passion without having the words catch in our throats. Somewhere, a circle of hands will open to receive us, eyes will light up as we enter, voices will celebrate with us whenever we come into our own power. Community means strength that joins our strength to do the work that needs to be done, arms to hold us when we falter, a circle of healing, a circle of friends, someplace where we can be free. This is a day of celebration as we honor your commitment to become members of the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco, a decision that gorgeous souls have been making since October of 1850. We know from experience that we will be enriched and enlarged by what you bring to this community. We'll be changed by you, and we hope that we will be enriching and supportive companions to you. We look forward to this journey together. I want to ask the members of this congregation, the ones who were members before this weekend, to welcome these new members, people who will enlarge the community you know as your own. And I know you stand ready to embrace their gifts and energies as others embrace yours a few years or maybe decades ago. And I'm going to ask you, the existing members, a question that you will answer by saying the words that are printed in your order of service. So open up and get ready. The part that says congregation and is underlined at the top of the second page. And my question is, will you join me in welcoming these new members to this community? We will. We not only welcome you, but we also promise to nurture you and support you in your journey, providing our friendship, sharing our life experiences with you, writing questions and stepping into what life together and the world will ask of us. With eagerness and expectation, we look forward to working alongside you and building our beloved community together Welcome home. Oops, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and I, as a member of the membership committee, invite your, all you new members to join with me in saying the promises and pledges that are printed in the order of service. So let's say them together. Eagerly and with enthusiasm, we bring to this place our gifts and talents, life experience and wisdom, questions and challenges. We look forward to being co-creators of this beloved community and serving its mission with joy. 
And now, let us all please put our hands together to welcome the newest members of the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco. Before you step away, we have a small gift for you, which you can tuck into your pocket or leave at your bedside or wherever it will remind you. They are small soapstone hearts, fair trade, from Kenya, a reminder of the larger love that you have stepped and opened your arms to today. And we're going to take a moment to greet one another, particularly to greet our new members, who, by the way, have these fancy badges that say in red, new member. So you should have no doubts who you're welcoming when you see them until they decide to swap these badges out. I do want to give a little instruction, which is if you want to welcome Asani and Bill and Deborah, if you can come to the base of the stairs and wave at the camera in the back, they're on Zoom, and they will then feel welcomed until they switch back into live stream. And I want to mention an incredible serendipitous drive to work one day this week as I was thinking about the service and planning it with Laura and Mari and others. Um, a Stevie Wonder song came on that just felt perfect. So while you greet one another, enjoy the song of the day. Welcome to membership. My beloveds, 
For the new members, as you know, we are a covenantal community, which means we are bound by the promises we make to each other, not by any creed. And in our order of service are some of the words that articulate some of the promises that we make and work and strive to keep. So blessings as you say them for the first time as members of this community, words you've said many times before. Let's say them all of us together. Love is the spirit of this church and service is its prayer. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in freedom, and to help one another. I left home, San Antonio, in my 20s, sure I'd return to my roots one day. 30 years later, here I am, an empty nester in the Bay Area. I never moved back, but my ties to family are strong and I never missed a Christmas in Texas while my father was alive. Christmas Eve dinners at my parents' house were raucous affairs with the entire family crowded around the dinner table. My father, an amazing storyteller, anchored the event. After the dinner plates were cleared and the dessert was brought to the table to a cheery round of queremos pastel, 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 one of us would tee him up. Oye, papi, tell us the story about Saul and the soccer ball he made out of leather scraps from his father's shoe repair shop. And off my father would go, the great raconteur transporting us to 1930s Mexico with his lively stories. My father had been an outdoorsman in his youth. In retirement, he was still active, but he had been a smoker all his life and his health began to deteriorate from COPD. Over time, his breathing became more and more laborious and he eventually became bedbound. He was a classic Mexican patriarch, so his declining health was humiliating to him. As he became increasingly dependent on others, his distinguished character turned bombastic and controlling. 
He ran off so many home nurses that eventually the agencies refused to send in any more. And my mother, a retired registered nurse, became his sole caregiver. I'm the only girl in the family and was forever straddling the line between my upbringing with its cultural expectations for women and my elemental repulsion at any attempt to circumscribe the expression of my humanity. My divorce didn't help my relationship with my parents. My father considered me scandalously recalcitrant, so I suppose it was inevitable that in the later stages of his decline, my presence would set him off and he would try to control me with almost farcical resolve. Bring me coffee. Ask me nicely. Bring me coffee. Okay, here you go. It's cold. No, it's not. I just made it. I don't like this cup. What's wrong with the cup? Mm, it's too big. Okay, here's a smaller cup. Now it's really cold. No, it's not. I can see the steam. Put it in the microwave. Ask me nicely. Put it in the microwave. Okay, I'll put it in the microwave. How long would you like it? Three seconds. <laughs> well, it makes me laugh now. I am embarrassed to say that at the time, I reacted to his incessant testing with the grace of a howler monkey. I began to prepare for my visits to San Antonio by meditating on the flight over. This time it'll be different. This time I'm ready, I'm ready, I'd say. The plane would land. We'd arrive at the house, I'd take a deep breath, go into my father's room, and in less than five minutes, we'd be yelling at each other again. On one of my last visits, we had an especially explosive time. Exasperated by our relentless volatility and disappointed in my inability to fix it, I collapsed into the chair next to his bed, brooding. We sat in silence. Finally, he said, you know something? Que, you and me, we are two roosters in a pen. I nodded. And then he said, but do you know I love you? I said, yes. Do you know I love you? When I think of family, I'm grateful for all of it, for the laughter and the closeness, but also for the ruffled feather moments, those embarrassingly human collisions that test, but also affirm the bonds between us. They keep me coming back year after year to take my seat at the holiday table.
in the presence of one another and pervaded by the quiet that echoes through time back to the past, the past even beyond our reach and forward beyond our reach too. We settle into this present moment, all we have ever had, full as it is, breathe and anchor ourselves here for a moment, for a moment of breath and being. and all that it offers up out of the silence. So I invite us into the gift of shared silence together. Blessed be. We ask that you please consider supporting our efforts to build our Belong Fund. The need is urgent, and 100% of the funds collected during our end-of-the-year campaign will be fully distributed as needs arise from our leaders and families. Last year, we collected and fully distributed $47,872 of your <clears throat> Belong Fund donations. Your support helped families buy food, pay basic bills, and help with funeral costs. And nearly 90% of your donations helped community members pay rent and stay in their homes. Your contributions will give some measure of relief and peace of mind to those working so hard to build a more dignified reality for their families and communities. So we thank you in advance for your generosity. The offering will now be given and gratefully received.
The offering that was taken, just so you know, those words were from Faith in Action about the Belonging Fund, which we contributed to last year, so we can own them as our own, and the work that it made possible and will make possible again. And the reading that I'm about to share is actually not the one advertised in your order of service because some members who get together weekly to read poetry shared a poem with me that seemed even more perfect for today. It's a poem by Joy Harjo titled Prepare. So thank you to the poetry group. You are a story fed by generations. You carry songs of grief, triumph, loss, and joy. Feel their power as they ascend within you, as you walk, run swiftly, even fly into infinite possibilities. Let go that which burdens you. Let go any acts of unkindness or brutality from or against you. Let go that which has burdened your family, your community, your nation, or disturbed your soul. Let go one breath into another. Pray thankfulness for this earth we are, for this becoming we are, for this sunlight touching skin we are, for the cooling of the dark we are. Listen now as earth sheds her skin. Listen as generations move, one against the other to make power. We are bringing a new story. We will be accompanied by ancient songs and we'll celebrate together. Breathe this new dawn, assist it as it opens its mouth to sing. Parents are reading.
one look at the Hebrew scriptures, a holy text in three different religions, and you will know a couple of central truths about families. First, how full of eccentric, quirky, and strange human beings they are. Just one biblical story you might be familiar with has a member of a family who thinks the world is ending and so builds an enormous boat and sends about, sets about filling it with every animal he can find. Can you imagine what the neighbors must have thought? And then there's Joseph running around in his technicolor dream coat, which probably was the talk of whatever small town he was in. And by the way, that particular coat, it turns out it didn't end well. I think it brought jealousy upon his family, which brings us to the other part of families that you see so clearly illustrated in these ancient stories too, how destructive and hurtful they can be sometimes. You may recall Joseph's brothers threw him into a well because he was the favorite son of their father. But of course, that's not as bad as what Cain did to Abel. And also there's Jacob who, I mean, put lambskin on his arms and went into his father's, beside his father's deathbed. So when his father touched his son's arm, he would mistake the son for the older brother and confer inheritance on the wrong son. I mean, you can't make these stories up. <laughs> but I bet you have your own. The best memoirs and the best hours together, or gathered around a holiday table after a meal, for instance, are filled with the telling and the hearing of such stories, aren't they? Elie Wiesel said once that God made humans because God loves stories. Well, if so, God got what God wished for, which, as we all know, is often a mixed blessing. <laughs> when Mary Carr, whose now famous modern memoir, The Liars Club, was first published, she wrote about what it was like to go out on the road to promote the book. Carr's family was, to put it mildly, complicated. It included a mother, a passionate artist who also had some mental health struggles, and at one point put all of the family's belongings into the front yard and lit it into the neighborhood's largest unplanned, unscheduled bonfire ever, and then was hospitalized. Promoting the book, Carr writes, I'd set out on the road the first time with soul-sucking dread fearing that people I loved most in the world would be bantered about as grotesques, myself pitied as some Dickensian orphan. But the opposite happened. In towns across the country, readers of every class and stripe confided about childhoods that certainly differed from mine in terms of surface pyrotechnics. But the feelings were identical. As I went from town to town, I felt a community assembling around me. Which is to say, all evidence points to the fact that there's a good chance that you and I also live in families with our own kind of pyrotechnics that happen from time to time. 
And so the need to know, especially in this particular season, to talk about how we navigate life in the midst of it. Danielle Evans, in her book, The Office of Historical Corrections, has a story about a mother and her efforts to set the record straight about a wrong that was done to another family member. And the daughter, the story, is told from the daughter's perspective, which includes how she tries to understand and reconcile and heal some of this generational hurt. What the daughter writes as the beginning of her road to understanding is, here is what you have to understand about my mother's childhood. It wasn't one. Which in many ways, is where many of us have to begin, I think, this journey of love and understanding in our families, back as far as we can go to the beginning of it all, because, because families hand on inheritance, ones that aren't just material. But like material inheritance, we will get both the wealth they have amassed in their lives handed on to us, and also some unpaid debts. Spiritually and emotionally, that means we will get the gifts of wisdom and compassion that they have to hand on to us, and also some unfinished business. We get both. The blessings, the wealth, to use the metaphor, are often really obvious to us, and more so as life goes on, particularly maybe as we parent or companion other young people in their lives, right? We see that we learned to live, say, with pride or purpose by watching how they did it, or maybe we learned how to face adversity without being crushed, how to find joy in very simple, beautiful circumstances because they modeled it. We are aware, if we reflect at all, on the ways in which they worked to love us, all that they taught us, right? From tying our shoes to cooking an egg to a thousand life skills we would need as we stepped into the world on our own. And many of them taught us intentionally, too, some of the things we would need to survive in a scary world. They chose to teach us how to walk in a dark street alone at night in a city as a woman, as I was taught. Or how to survive an encounter with police as so many black men and men of color are taught in this country. Or how to pump the brakes when the car skid on the ice. The people who nurtured us gave us tremendous gifts. And some of those gifts also, it bears mentioning, were ones handed down for generations, which when we see it is this awe-inspiring legacy of wisdom and learning. And on the other side of the ledger is some unfinished business, almost always. This also gets handed down. Inevitably, I've come to see what our 
grandfathers or grandmothers didn't wrestle into some form of resolution got passed down to our parents. It's one of the big tragedies, in fact, I think, of trauma is that so rarely does it only affect one person, the one directly affected. But so often if harm is inflicted, personal harm or structural harm like racist trauma or the trauma of poverty or the war against women or homophobia or ableism or all the traumas that are out there, all the hurts, is that they have these effects that are likely going to be passed down beyond one generation until some generation finds the tools and support to heal it. Which is what I think is often at the heart of why being with family might be hard sometimes is that maybe we're put face to face with a reminder of that unfinished business that is our parents or our aunts or our uncles or our cousins to do, and maybe back through time given to them, but also here's the kicker that was also handed on to us to do. So being with family can be tough, It reminds us of the hard work we're given to wrestle with, the stuff we see at the deathbed. Even when we say we love one another, causes us to fight, avoid each other at the worst. But also one of the sacred invitations of family life. Years ago, I studied something called family systems theory. It's a school of psychology. And what I took away is that it holds who we are and how we are in the world as something that is shaped deeply by the role that we played in our family of origin, or we're forced to play, and how that experience will often shape the roles we will play, even unconsciously, in the circles of friends or the communities or the families we will make or choose as adults. And here's the other thing it says. It says that we have the power in the face of all of this to try and stay what the literature calls differentiated. Differentiated, this fancy word for trying to be clear about what we want and what we need and what our hope is to make real in each encounter and relationship we have. It's super hard to get clear about those things sometimes, particularly if we've been in systems and in a world that doesn't allow us to think so clearly about what it is we want and need. But you can see why it's important, why even Mari's prayers on the plane back home to Texas got followed by the bickering that started almost immediately, a clear example of how hard it is to stay differentiated when we're back in these systems of family or larger world. It can be like digging your toes in in the sand against some riptide or the waves, right? As hard as you work, you can be buffeted about. But here's this other thing, I think, as we increasingly talk about what life skills we need to be in the world the way we want to be, I think that this is 
a key skill to being a healer in the world. Because you and I, we don't just need to be differentiated and learn to do that when we're at home or when Uncle George comes to visit, right? We need to bring this skill into the work of remaking all the systems that we move through and are part of. All these systems which, like our own families, sometimes can resist healing, continue to dig in in patterns that are not good for them, even broken, and to buck and change systems in the world, and everything is a kind of system of energy and relationships. We need to get super good at this differentiation and how to walk through it as people who have hmm, a perspective of faith about what it means to stay whole in the midst of this. And family, it's like a petri dish laboratory for learning how to do this. And I think, if I can boil it down, that to step into the laboratory of change and making healing, you and I are going to need three things. We're going to need to be practiced in all the ways we can do that, journaling, prayer, reflection, conversation with friends and trusted advisors about how we want to be in relationship to the person or the people that we're about to meet. What values are important to us that we want to put center as we step into those moments? What we need to ask for so that we can be authentically, legitimately present in those spaces, as legitimately present as we can hope for. I think the second thing we need is perspective on the person or people we're engaging. Some appreciation for what they've done and for what life handed them that was hard and broken that they've struggled to make sense of and make meaning, what great things they have done with what they were given, empathy, because as a wise woman told me when I was ordained, people don't change unless they know they're loved, or at least seen and understood. And then we need to enter in with the hope and expectation of hanging on to connectedness, if at all possible. Because we are not a people, Unitarian Universalists, for whom other people are expendable. And so to step in to see if there's a way for both of us, for all of us, to be able to stay in the room and find a new way of being together. So perhaps you don't want to be guilted by your mother for leaving Oklahoma. You're a bit tired of it. You prepare for what you need to say, not to fix her, but to be the daughter you want to be, one not triggered by anger or guilt. You think as you prepare about all you know about her and her circumstances, all she's told you. Maybe you know that, like the character in Danielle Evans' story, your mother didn't have a childhood, or perhaps the permission to follow her dreams the way you have. Maybe you realize 
that it will be hard for her forever to reconcile herself to the reality of how she has lost twice in this life. She didn't have the independent life that you had, and by encouraging you to have it, she has lost what she loves most in the world in some fundamental, intimate way. And maybe you find a way to say that. Or whatever your version of that is. She might not have a great epiphany, your mom or whoever you're talking to, all might not be healed, it probably won't, but you will have stepped in the adult you want to be, the daughter you want to be, the wise person who sees a legacy of generations, the gifts, the unfinished business, how it all gets handed down, no parsing of the lot of it. I think maybe this is the start of how we move toward healing, and it probably happens just in time for the forgiveness that we're going to need ourselves <laughs> as people who also pass on things we didn't want to or mean to, people who also want to be loved and want to have the burdens of life lifted and want the karmic circle of hurt and brokenness to end wherever it is in our lives and in our world. And family can be the first place we are invited to learn all of this, a place where the stakes feel unavoidable and high and important and where we have these holidays where we keep being asked to show up. And so we might as well practice As Joy Harjo wrote in her poem, you are fed by generations. You carry songs of grief, triumph, loss, and joy. Feel their power as they ascend within you, as you walk, run swiftly, even fly into infinite possibilities. Let go that which burdens you, if you can. Let go any acts of unkindness or brutality from or against you. Let go that which burdened your family, your community, your nation, or disturbed your soul. Let go and breathe into one another. Pray for this earth we are. Pray for this becoming we are, this sunlight touching skin we are, this cooling dark we are. Listen as earth sheds her skin, maybe do likewise. Listen as generations move one against the other to make power. We are bringing in a new story. We will be accompanied by ancient songs. We will celebrate together, breathe this new dawn, assist as it opens its mouth, to sing. Oh, family. Oh, family. Oh, family.
for all we inherited from the places and the people who nurtured us and the blessings and the infinite good of it. And all we inherited that still work to be done and blessings on our efforts to heal what needs healing. And may the ways we learn to heal the world, sing new songs, and usher in new dawns with what we learn from our wild, idiosyncratic, complicated, gorgeous families. May it bless those beyond our reach. Amen. Let's sing together our closing hymn. It's hymn number 324 in your hymnal, Where My Free Spirit Onward Leads.
invite you to put down your hymnals. And if you know the person next to you, you're welcome to join hands. Otherwise, do whatever makes you feel open to the blessing of the morning. And now in our comings and our goings, may the light of love shine upon us. Out from within us, be gracious unto us, and grant us peace. For this is the day we are given. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen.